Man, unbelievable, unbelievable. Well, I want to add my happy Father's Day to you, and as we get going this morning, I want to ask all of the dads in the house and downtown at Brazos Hall, if y'all would please stand to your feet. All the dads stand up. We want to honor y'all this morning for being strong. Thank you. Awesome. So funny, you have to work like about 10 minutes to get the moms to stand up on Mother's Day. Dads are like, that's right, I'm here. It is great, great to have you in the house this morning. We are, today's going to be a lot of fun that we're going to add into what God has already done in this time together. We're going to do something a little bit different today. As we were thinking about Father's Day, and specifically that song, Strong, First of all, for those of you who sent in those pictures of your dads and kids and everything, thank you so much. We had so much response, we couldn't get them all in. That song would have lasted 15 minutes if we'd have used every picture that came in. So when our service ends downtown as well, there's going to be a little bit more slideshow addendum added to the service. So just be ready for that at that time in the service. But I was thinking about the reality of strong dads and the fact that as a father, it's our calling in life to represent God before our kids and to rear them in a God-honoring kind of a way and to teach them the ways of God. And a few months ago, I was involved in a conversation that really came completely out of the blue. Years and years ago, I got to meet a friend of mine by the name of Roy Spence. Now, Roy is one of the founders of GSDNM Advertising here in Austin. They've done Southwest Airlines, Walmart, the United States Air Force, and some other struggling little companies like that. But Roy has become a really, really close friend, and he released a book this past year that I remember when he was in the process of writing it. But one day, he and I were in a conversation with another guy, and I realized just how incredibly strong this book is. The title of the book might surprise you. The title of the book is The Ten Essential Hugs of Life. Now, this is not something that most men would go, oh, I want to learn about hugging. But as Roy explained the concept behind this book and what was in it, I realized that there was an amazing strength, an amazing power and the story behind hugs in Roy's life that inspired this entire book is one that I wanted to share with you this Father's Day weekend and in addition to Roy's text which is amazing the artwork that is in this book was done by a friend of Roy's that you're also going to meet today by the name of Jared Dunton so I want to ask you with everything that you've got to stand to your feet and give a crazy Lake Hills Church welcome to Roy Spence and Jared Dunton What's up, baby? Jared, come on hey, out, man. All right. We are so excited to have y'all this morning. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. That's not a bad welcome right there, brother. So this is a church? <laughs> That's great. Very much so. Very much so. Thank y'all so, so much for thank giving you. up your Father's Day morning to be here and to share with us the story of Hugs. Roy. You know, you and I go back a little ways, not real far, but I feel like the only thing wrong with our friendship is that we haven't known each other for about 35 or 40 years. But um, you've been an amazing friend to me and, and therefore to our church family. You were part of our Spur Leadership Conference a few years back. And so when you first launched the idea to me of hugs, 
I'll never forget. I went home and I told Julie. I said, Julie, Roy's writing a book on hugging. I, I don't know. But then, somehow in your hands, it works. It's an, tell, us, tell us a little bit about where it came from just in your life in general. Well, first of all, uh, happy Father's Day to everybody. Thank you. And especially to God. Thank you for having us all. Um, uh, we, uh, we met a few years back, and, and uh, my dad was named Roy. He was 6'5". I was going to be Joe Namath. I don't know what happened. But anyway, <laughs> he grew up in Eagle Pass. He spoke Spanish before English, so they called me Royito all my life, Leroy. My dad was a hugger. He taught me three things. Be extra kind to everybody you meet because everybody's fighting some kind of battle. Don't do mild in life. Mm. By the way, I had my Royitas hot sauce when he passed away. Don't do mild in life. <laughs> Follow your purpose and your passion. Yeah. And finally, he said, anybody worth meeting is worth hugging. And when he passed away, right before he passed away, I'd drive every other Sunday to take him to church to Brownwood. And he said, now, Royito, listen, when you have kids. I love that he called you Royito your whole life. whole life. Little Roy. Little Roy. Isn't that great? Um, Wonderful. And um, y'all can't. <laughs> but Roy, your dad was a big, he was 6'5", six six World War II veteran, uh, big man, and he just flew said, a bomber? Yep. And he also said, dads, hug your kids, but mm. make sure you hug your sons. You know, he said, sons need hugs too. Yeah. So when he passed away, I decided to write a book, and I wrote it in one night. I didn't perfect it, but because I, I sent you an advanced copy, and Jared too. And I wrote the 10 Essential Hugs of Life in one night in Germany when I realized I had no parents. Mm. And God and mom and dad came down and gave me a huge hug. Wow, so wow. That's how it started. Now, Jared, your involvement with this goes back to what you were, you were a, an artist at GSDNM, right? I was a writer, and still am, at GSDNM. And uh, Roy sent me a, a copy of the book, like he said, a very early copy. And I said, I love it. What, what can I do? How do I get involved? What do you want from me? And uh, I said, just tell me. And then when Roy said, how about doing the illustrations? I said, absolutely. And I'm also, I paint with my mouth, and, uh, which is kind of crazy, 10 years or 14 years ago, was in a diving accident, was paralyzed from the neck down. And, uh, and so Roy said, well, how about we just go through chapter by chapter and knock it out? And I said, is there any other way? <laughs> Let's do it. And, uh, and you so know a little something great. about step by step, yeah, don't you? Just take it one day at a one time. One day at a time. One, one, sometimes one minute. At a time, and uh, the artwork in this thing is you. unbelievable. I, I told you so before the service started, you don't know me that well. We've just met, yeah, but I don't say things just to be nice. Right. Your artwork is phenomenal, and thank then you. to think about the fact that you do it with your mouth is just unbelievable. Thank you. Thank you. We've got the slide. Look at this. That's like stained glass. That's hug your faith. Ooh, that's hug your faith. Yeah. That's that's Jared's painting for hug your faith, which we'll get into in just a second. But um, Jared, you and your wife Kimberly have got. Two boys, we have twins. Twin boys, yes, two and a half year old. Two and a half year old twins. And, Father, uh, right now we just pray for Jared and Kevin. Right, right. That is incredible. Up, That's a I full had, court I, press. I had here, and uh, what I had was not gray. But now that it's gray and falling out, it's like I've got twin boys. <laughs> it's what happens. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're so grateful to have thank you. you. Thank you for giving up part well, of your Father's you Day to be here. here. And um, just the, the work that you did in this, I think it. it What's unbelievable to me is that you wrote the book and then you came in and provided artwork and illustrations that merge perfectly. Thank it's you. unbelievable. Yeah, and first of all, uh, happy Father's Day, Jared. You too. Uh, but Jared's a 
uh, amazing. Um, he painted again all the illustrations with his mouth. And all we did was, I said, Jared, I wrote this book. Hug, hug your faith, your family will go through the second. You just go create the illustration that brings that to life. Of course, I, I was his inspiration. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but, uh, and Kimberly's here too, his wife. But anyway, uh, we just joint ventured this little project together because uh, it's kind of interesting that a business guy would write a book about hugs. But you know what? Anybody seen the King's Speech, mm. the movie? Everybody's fighting some kind of battle. Yeah. Everybody needs a hug. And I'll tell you about it in a second, but that's why we did it. So your dad was really the one who kind of instilled this yes. in you growing up, yeah. which is so appropriate on Father's Day. But, yeah. I mean, it's so funny to me. What was your dad's occupation after World War II? Well, he didn't go to jail, so that was good. Um, and uh, <laughs> he was a salesperson. Really? He sold insurance, sold carports. He'd hug everybody. He'd been, and when I was a teenager, that was really embarrassing. Hey, come here, Roito, come here. I want you to meet so-and-so. But we'd go across the border. Everybody knew him, Roito. And he just believed that a handshake was a weak thing. Mm. And so I walk in, and I tried to hug the Queen of England once. That didn't go well. No, I really <laughs> did. I really did. It's a true story. <laughs> true story. <laughs> if anybody could have gotten away with it, it would have been you. But I love that's, But it was a nice try. It was a good try. But anyway, and so when I started this thing, I thought, you know, real quickly, there are four kinds of hugs. There's the mind hug. Mac and I have a dear friend named Gerald Mann who was my next-door neighbor and my preacher growing up at Riverbend. And every January, he had a sermon called Dump the Garbage. Mm. The mind hug is the one that if someone hurt you or some bad thing happened to you and you let that thing travel with you, it'll bog you down. Yeah. So the mind hug is remember that friend that you don't want to be around anymore, but you remember that first time you loved him or her Mind hug that moment, and then let it go. Yeah. Then the heart hug. The heart hug is so much fun because it's the grateful hug. And today I'm grateful for you and you and all the fathers. I spend one minute every morning, first of all, being grateful to God. And secondly, my grandfather, my friend. It is amazing how many people you know in your life. Just, spend, just do a heart hug to somebody that affected your life. Then there's the touch hug. That's when you shake hands and you say, how are you doing? And you actually want to know the answer? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but the hard hug, too, I'll go back to a second. Uh, it, it also is a hug you can say, thank you. Every time I go through TSA at the airport, here's what I do. This is an absolute <laughs> true story. Everybody knows where this is. They have your, you have your driver's license. I look fabulous. Uh, they have <laughs> your driver's license, and you have your boarding pass, and they're looking down, they're scribbling. And then they say, last name, Spence. They hand it to me, and I say, excuse me. And they'll look up, and I say, I want to thank you so much for what you do. They go, what'd you say? <laughs> I said, I want to thank you so much for what you do. Now, this is before the pat-down, right? <laughs> yeah, all right. I kind of like the pat-down. Anyway, <laughs> uh, just saying, just saying. It's Father's Day. Uh, then, then there's the, obviously, the bear hug, and that's the one we all just sort of, when you just bear hug it, your kids or your Whatever, so right there, there's that bear hug right there. So those are the four kinds, and then the 10 essential, and I'm gonna blow through them pretty quickly because I have a timeline, and I'm scared of him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no, really the big hook will pull him off. <laughs> and uh, 
Before thing, you start these, let yeah. me just say this. Roy, Roy's going to be signing these. We have these available. You can buy them after the service, and Roy and Jared will be available after the service out on the, the front yeah, porch. You'll be signing you. them and that kind of deal. So, again, this is something I, I heard about, and, and, and I've told Roy. Roy, Roy sent me the, the, an advanced copy and said, let me know your thoughts. And I was like, Roy, there ain't a guy in the world that's going to buy a book about hugs. That's just not going to happen. Then I read it. And it is strong. It's really, really. So just anyway. Like, just like the song. Yeah. Strong. Yeah. Um, real quick. First, you got to hug yourself. It's kind of hard to love thy neighbor as yourself if you don't love yourself. Mm. And real quick story. There's an old Indian uh, uh, legend. The grandfather was talking to his grandson, the chief. And the grandson said, Granddad, every day I wake up and I either love somebody, he was a teenager, or I want to hurt somebody. And the chief looked at him and said, and the chief told me the story, by the way, well, you, everybody has two wolves inside of you. And the grandson said to the granddad, well, which one wins? And the chief said, the one you feed. Feed the good wolf. Yeah. First, hug yourself. Second, you've got to hug your faith. By the way, God needs hugs, too. He's got a big job, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so just every morning, go give God a hug, and he'll say, wow, thank you. And you say, you're welcome. Give God a hug, your faith. you got to hug your family. You don't have to like them all. Let's just be honest here. <laughs> but you got to hug them all. Mother Teresa said you got to hug and love and smile on all your family. And George Burns, is an old comedian, said there's nothing like a large, loving family living in another city. <laughs> You gotta hug your family. You gotta hug your friends. Jared knows something about this. One day your friend will be perfect and the next day something happened. Yeah. You gotta hug your friends. You gotta hug your flag, where you come from. Yeah. Some of us were really blessed, preacher, to come from great homes. And some of us aren't that blessed. But if you weren't blessed to grow up in a great home or a great town, you're here and someone helped you. Yeah. Your pastor, your Coach, your teacher, you got to hug your flag. You got to hug your failures. Now, listen to me here. <laughs> you got to fess up when you mess up. <laughs> and by the way, failure is not losing a football game, it's a character thing, and we all have it. Yeah. And that's why Jesus is here called redemption. But if you don't hug your failures, they'll haunt you the rest of your life. Mm. You got to hug, now, this, stay, stay with me here. You got to hug your fears. Because fears are afraid, too. I don't do this on an airplane because it's really embarrassing, but go into a bathroom or a place with a mirror, turn the light on, and look into that mirror and tell yourself what you're afraid of out loud. Hmm. That fear will run and hide. you got to hug, and this is so important, you parents out there. And Again, I didn't know any of this stuff, preacher. I just learned it on this journey I've been on. you got to hug your future and your kids' future. Mandela and Bill Clinton were in that little cell, 18 by 18 cell, or much smaller than that, for 18 years, and Mandela told Bill Clinton, he said, you know, they took my family, they took my money, they took my property, but they didn't take my mind or my heart or my future because I would have had to give it to them and I refused. Hug your future. Then you gotta also hug your first. First time you rode a bicycle. As we get older, by the way, you're only as young as the new stuff you do. 
hug that new thing. You, every day, do something different. That's called ADD most places, but, <laughs> but do something, hug your first, and then finally, Helen Keller was my hero, because mm. I had a sister with spinal bifida, and uh, Helen Keller couldn't talk or smile or, or hear, and she said in this great line, most people are so focused on the door that just shut, they can't see the new one that just opened. Yeah. So when you hug your finals, new doors open up. So those are the 10 essential hugs of life. Well, I just think, you know, of all of the things, I, I t Julie laughed when I told her the title of the book. I said, Julie, I said, he's writing this book on hugs, and I love Roy. And, I, and the, here's the thing about Roy's been hugging long before he wrote the book. You know, I mean, every now and then, my, my first glance, Jared, whenever I go see somebody or I see somebody I haven't seen in a while, is I stick out my hand. Right. And then I feel like a loser because Roy just comes like, come here, buddy. And it's just like he's on the hug in such a, such a real way, but it's so genuine. It is. And, and I know you, you and were telling me. Well, that's the beauty of it. Uh, you know, I started off as an, in, an intern at GSDNM and uh, worked there for about a year and a half before I had my accident. And I always love telling the story. Uh, you know, I woke up in the hospital and uh, when Roy and Steve were standing by my bedside, I just thought to myself, oh no, I've done something really big this time. <laughs> and, uh, and Roy was there and they said, look, you know, don't worry about anything. You just get better and uh, recover, and you've got a job. And, you know, we're here as a big family together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was 14 years ago. And nothing's changed. In fact, things have gotten better, and we've all gotten closer, and, you know, things just continue to go on. So it's been a fantastic, wow. fantastic journey. And then I have a very good relationship with my father. And, and uh, after reading the book, you know, it was like, well, I've got to be involved. This is great as not only a, a compliment to Roy, but also to honor my mom and dad. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I was very blessed too. And so it was like, we gotta get this out there and get the good word out and uh, keep spreading it. Yeah, yeah. Well, will y'all join me in thanking Roy and Jared for being here today? Thank y'all so much, man. Thank I'll you. hug you, I'll shake your hand as I hug you. Thank you, thank you. Jared, thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you. Honored to have you. I'm telling you, I uh, just count Roy and now Jared as, as great, great blessings. And Roy is one of those people that has blessed me as a man, as a husband, as a father, and as a pastor. So he's a blessing to our whole church family, and I'm excited that, that you got to see a little bit of his heart and, and know about this today. I think it's especially interesting that on this Father's Day weekend, we're wrapping up a series that started with Easter. Is that crazy? This is June the 15th, and months ago, feels like eons ago, we started a series coming out of Easter called Carry On. I want you to look at your neighbor right now with passion and enthusiasm. Tell them, carry on. And today, we wrap this series up with the kind of penultimate act of our man Joshua's life. Now, Joshua has been the focus of this study that we've carried all the way through since Easter. But I think the end of Joshua's life, especially on Father's Day, puts an incredible 
fine point on the entire series that we've been in to, to carry on, to persist, to endure, and to, to persevere. Because he, at the very end of the book, is dealing with legacy. And I think on Father's Day, we're especially aware of the legacy of our dads. Now, the reality is we have to acknowledge the fact that some legacies of some dads are not great. For, for some of us here today, Father's Day is a tough day to navigate and to maneuver through because our dads perhaps really messed up. Nobody's dad is, is perfect, of course, except Emily and Joseph Richard. But <laughs> we understand. You know, I, I, it's, it's amazing to me. I love, I was sharing with someone yesterday. I said, you know, I really kind of dislike and, and stay away from the term a dysfunctional family. I don't like to use that word because I think anytime you use the word dysfunctional or the term dysfunctional family, by definition, you're implying that somewhere there's a functional family. And a very close friend of mine told me just a few months ago, we were kind of comparing notes of his growing up years and my growing up years and our extended families. And we were kind of playing the game, my family's crazier than your family. And all of a sudden, he just looked at me across the table where we were sitting. And he goes, here's the deal. Everybody has family. Everybody has family. And when everybody has family, we all deal with certain realities of shortcomings and missteps in the lives of those around us as well as in our own lives. But in Joshua, at the end of the book, he puts such an incredibly fine point on his years of leadership, his administration of the nation of Israel. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to look with me in Joshua chapter number 24. In Joshua 24, he is addressing the entire nation of Israel. But in addressing the entire nation of Israel, he includes his own household, his own family. And it's a powerful, powerful statement and directive that he issues just before he passes away. In Joshua 24, he is now an old man, and he says this, Choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods that your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Everybody, I want to ask you if you will say with me, as for me and my family. Everybody, say it with me. As for me and my family. Here's what I love about that statement. It's forward-looking. Joshua says, as for me and my family, this is what we will do going forward. It's not... Well, because my dad messed up, then I don't want to do that. Or because my mom kind of put my diapers on too tight, then I want to give, you know, be real lenient with my kids. It's about what we will do going forward. It's owning the responsibility for your household, for your life going forward. I had a really, really fascinating meal with a close friend of mine some years ago now. And over this particular lunch, he was processing the death of a very close friend. And this friend of his had died very unexpectedly, very prematurely. And 
they discovered afterwards that there had been a lot of, of angst and depression and anxiety in this person's life. And as my friend and I kind of sat there and processed through this, it was interesting to me because he described a life that on the surface, everything looked great. They, they went to church. They had done well financially. They had kids who were well-behaved and well-groomed. Everything seemed to be great on the surface, but beneath the surface, there was something really, really roiling the waters. There was stuff going on that nobody knew about. And as we continued the conversation, I just started thinking about the number of people in general, but specifically the number of men and dads that I know who really and truly do five things well. And so today what I want to do is just give you a list of five things. Specifically, I'm speaking to the dads, but this is for everybody. This is not time to kind of check out if you're not a dad or will never be a dad or have never been a dad, but especially for the men of the house, those of us who are called by God to be a father. This is where it rests with us. Five things to think about. How many men do you know who are genuinely, number one, growing in their faith? That they're really and truly expanding their relationship with God on a regular basis. That they pray on a regular basis. They open God's word and they live according to God's word. Or they're, and they're really connected into the life of the church. One of the things that I think is so phenomenal about the life of Lake Hills Church is the number of men who are engaged in Bible studies and in groups that are really doing life together. They, they show up. Now, some of these guys, they're going to Bible study every single week at 6 a.m. Tell your neighbor, 6 a.m. 6 now, going to Bible study at 6 a.m., doth not a Christian make you. <laughs> Going to Bible study at 6 a.m. is not a magic bullet for spiritual growth. But when you're committed to spiritual growth, when you're committed to a group of people who are also committed to you, it's going to be really, really tough to avoid spiritual growth. Here's the thing. You will never just kind of drift into an ever-expanding faith. You've got to decide that you want it. You've got to decide that it is a priority. So the first thing is a faith. Second thing, how many men do you know that are really growing in their faith are also, their wives would tell you, they are great at marriage? Not that they would tell you they're great at marriage, but their wives would say, he is great at marriage. I mean, strong Husbands, husbands who are genuinely loving their wives in the same way that Christ loves the church. And then if they're growing in their faith and they're genuinely loving their wives, they are parenting their heads off. These are dads who are actively engaged in the equipping of their kids. I, I don't mean that they coach them or they show up at games. I mean they are actively engaged in the equipping of their kids, meaning as a dad, your primary role is one that is being fulfilled so that one day your children move out of your house and buy their own food. Yeah, I thought I'd get an amen on that. Now, I told you last year when 
our daughter Emily started college, that the day Julie and I drove away from her dorm room, the worst day of my life, it was awful, it was terrible, it was right, and it was God's timing, and she was ready, blah, 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 blah. It was awful, terrible. One year from now, we'll do the same thing with her brother Joseph, and I'm fully anticipating that that too will be awful. But then, Julie and I will return to the empty nest. Somebody help me preach. I'm just saying. And for the record, that's the goal as a dad, is to work yourself out of a job. Is to work yourself and to prepare your kids so that they take flight and fly and leave and don't boomerang. <laughs> Birds fly, boomerangs come back. But the way that we do that is so critical that we are intentional, we are deliberate about equipping them. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22. Now, most parents just like white-knuckle the last part of that verse. When he's old, he will not depart from it. If we do everything right, he'll be perfect. No, no, no. The primary focus of that passage is to train them up in the way they should go. Everybody say go. go. That's the goal. It's for the kids to go. So, how many men? How many dads are growing in their faith? Their wives would tell you they're great husbands and they're genuinely parenting and making it happen. Number four, they are a blessing to those they work with. That work is something that they excel at, that they're good at. I'm not talking about making a squillion dollars. If you, if you make a squillion, awesome. That doesn't mean you're being a blessing at work. Or it doesn't mean that you're providing for the family. So you make a lot of money, but what are you providing? I'm talking about being a blessing through your work. That your job is something that blesses the people around you. That when you walk in in the morning or to that meeting or you get on that conference call, there are other people on the line who are glad you're there. Number four is work. And then number five. I almost left off number five. But number five is they're taking care of themselves physically. They're, they're intentional and deliberate about their health, about how they eat on an overall basis. I'm not talking about freaked out, narcissistic, ooh, kale and carrots one more time. But they're deliberate about their health, about stewarding. Because ultimately, what I do with this body, and listen, this body was never going to play in the NFL. It was not going to happen. I'm, I'm glad you're sitting down. <laughs> but I can still do the best with what I've got to work with. And ultimately, how I care for my body is an expression of what I believe about God. Taking care of my body is about worship. So let me just ask you, that, that's, a, that's a strong list, isn't it? Faith, marriage, parenting, work, and Physical health, welfare. If you do those five things, 
what else do you have time for? Now, the question for me is what's getting away in the way of one of those five things? What is it in my life that I'm allowing to become a distraction from what God has called me to as his child? I know if you've been around here for a number of years, you've heard me say many times, my parents divorced. My dad hit the eject button on the marriage and on the parenting gig. But I can promise you, God has been my father. I was fathered by men who stepped up and showed me how to live as a godly man. I had no idea, no idea, when I fell in love with Julie Sanderson from Laurel, Mississippi, that I would also be getting a dad. That her father would be somebody that God used in a powerful way in my life. The first time I went home to meet Julie, I was terrified. I, I was like, man, he's a strong personality. He's big, you know, he's, he's not a big man physically. He's about 5'6 in his cowboy boots, but he carries a big stick. First time I walked in their door, I was home. He walked through the door, shook my hand. He said, we're glad to have you, son. And there's never been a day since then that he hasn't been a father to me as well as to Julie. When you miss the fathering gift, our perfect heavenly father fills in the gaps. So as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord going forward. I understand a lot of the stuff that I missed. I had to teach myself how to shave. You know about scary? Razors are sharp. <laughs> I had so much shaving cream on my face the first time that I stood in front of that mirror when I was 38 years old. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was the first day of my sophomore year of high school. I remember it vividly. My mom just knew how to shave around her ankles. She had no idea about chins. Just making it up as I went along. A lot of us, as dads, are making it up as we go along. The example to follow is our perfectly, perfect heavenly Father. See, where we get messed up is when we allow our imperfect earthly fathers to shape our view and our image of our perfect heavenly Father. When we ought to reverse those two things and recognize that our earthly dads weren't perfect we're never going to be perfect our kids dads aren't perfect we'll never be perfect but when we say as for me and my house we will serve the Lord we point them toward their perfect heavenly father and we show them the role that he wants to play in their lives This is the greatest gift a father ever gives a child. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment.
And in this moment, I want to conclude just a little differently than we normally do. But I want to pray over the dads. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I want you to walk out of here with the power of God to say as a father, as a husband, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, in this place today, we have many dads. We have many who wrestle with their own relationship with their earthly fathers. And God, right now, I pray in Jesus' name that you will reveal yourself to each father. That God, you will guide and direct. Give them wisdom. Give us your power because God we need it and Father I pray that you will draw us to you Father give us the courage and the grace to eliminate the distractions to focus on those things which matter most. Those jobs, those opportunities, those blessings that you've placed in front of us, that you've called us to as men. To chase after you with everything that we've got, to pursue you. God, for those of us who are married, that we would love our wives as Christ loves the church sacrificially leading and lovingly Father that we would truly parent the children you've entrusted to us give us the wisdom to be intentional deliberate about equipping them Father help us to treat our work as a gift from you, as an opportunity for ministry. And Father, give us your discipline and your grace to care for the bodies you've entrusted to us, to remember that they are the temple of your Holy Spirit, not to be taken for granted cared for, restored, renewed. Father, we ask this prayer in the name of Jesus who makes it possible. Amen.